EAM is a podcast that proves women can still be strong and influential while being godly and humble. EAM streams anywhere you listen to your music and podcasts. If you like what you hear, visit our website, eamisher.wixsite.com for more resources. Hey everybody, welcome to our first episode of our second series. We've made it. Yay! Hey everyone. So our first series, thank God was amazing it was on identity can series now is on christ christ as our core which is so important we have so many tasks and responsibilities in life that it becomes kind of hectic and it becomes crazy and we kind of lose our vision and our purpose for each of these individual tasks we need to get done but i i think today we're going to show you that each of them have the same purpose and we are so lucky (laughs) <laughs> to have a special guest with us today to be able to better talk about this. She is a valued person in our church. We love her very much. One uh, of my favorite speakers. Yes. She is a lawyer. She has JD. Um, she is married and her name is Marina oh, Elias. Welcome, Marina. <laughs> Elias. Hello, ladies. I do use the name Elias sometimes. It is my married name. It's so awesome to be on this podcast and to be part of the EAM initiative. And I want to thank each and every one of you for putting together this platform and coming forward to reach out to other women and to core and center their identity in Christ. And I can't wait to join you this morning. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. So I think, first of all, we're going to have to find a way to distinguish between our two marinas. To start this talk off, If you guys are familiar with this amazing book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it's written by Dr. Stephen Covey. He speaks of seven habits of very effective people. The second habit he talks about is to begin anything you do, any project, with the end in mind. So it's kind of this um, motto that many people go by with different names. Some people will name it keeping the eyes on the prize or beginning with the end in mind or whatever it is. But essentially, it's something to remind us that whatever you're doing, uh, you're doing with this single purpose and intention that you're focusing on. So regardless of how far you are from it, every step you're taking in your life is towards that one goal. So think about it in terms of a project, or if you're thinking of an athlete, they obviously have the prize is maybe the cup that they're trying to win or the season. So they train to win, but they also eat to win. They maybe socialize and form their social circle to make connections to win. So basically everything they do is to win. And this is what we need to do in our lives as well. Our lives are so complex and they're formed with so many different circles. There is obviously the spiritual circle, but that's not all that God has to be involved in. There's also the social, the academic, the personal, and the self-care part of life, the health part of life. And we want to talk today about how to keep Christ as our core to every single thing. Because when we keep the same core or the same intention in every aspect of our life, we won't find our life to be kind of uh, dispersed around and kind of chaotic. And we're managing all these circles that don't have anything in relation to each other, but rather one goal, one single purpose, and everything is kind of entering towards this center of core. So with that being said, we want to talk to you, Marina, and we want to ask you, how did you keep Christ as your core basically throughout every aspect of your life, whether it's from, you know, high school, undergrad, relationships, everything? How did you go about that? I think that's a great question, Maria. Thank you. And keeping him as your core first comes with the real question, which is why? Hmm. If you're going to make something your foundation or like you said in Uh, you know, the habits of successful people. Why do you choose that as your goal? What satisfaction does that bring you? Mm -hmm. And I think 
asking the why question then grounds the rest of the analysis. So when we're asking why do we want Christ or God to be our core, it's because of what he offers us, right? As St. Augustine said, we are thirsty and we are never quenched until we achieve union with God. We are made with that longing for him. We thirst for him in our daily life. In fact, it is the greatest thing that satisfies our hunger as humans. So if I say my goal is to be full, Mm-hmm. my goal is to be full, mm-hmm. then it makes sense that I make Christ my foundation because he's my deliverer, he's my comforter, he's the Holy Spirit, he's the paraclete, he's everything. He becomes the core because he satisfies me. So it's just like saying, what's your goal for life? It's I choose to be satisfied, I choose to be content, I choose to be peaceful. Mm-hmm. These are all things that women are sort of chronically looking for all the time, a sense of contentment with the self, satisfaction with what we've accomplished peace with who we are and the people around us. So if we say, I want to make the king of peace as my core, the first question, so you asked me, how did I do that? The first question was at a very young age, even younger than the hosts of this podcast, (laughs) was asking myself, what gives me satisfaction? Because I found everything else was so transient, Hmm. regardless of what grades you got or what friendships you made. If you didn't have that core, everything else seemed fleeting. So it was this idea of being full and being satisfied. So when we prayed today before the the podcast, I sort of said, you're the life of us all, the hope of us Mm -hmm. all. When you're looking at your end goal, you want to have life, you want to have hope, and you want to have healing, right? And if Mm -hmm. all of those things can be offered through God and can answer that question to the why, then we set him as the core. And it becomes a natural instinct. Everything has to come back to that because that God is what gives you all of those things. It satisfies all of those desires. I love that you said that, Marina. I It made me think of uh, the Friday Theotokia where we say he took everything that is ours and gave us everything that is his. And it's not just, you know, in terms of the spiritual realm of life, but even if it's like he took away our failures and gave us success or our sadness gave us joy. He took away our tears, gave us like laughter. So yeah, in every part of our life, I think, Maybe my main challenge with this is how do I remind myself of that in the daily stressors of life? You know, I have my quiet time in the morning and I feel fully charged, amazing, I'm ready to face the world. But the moment the first challenge comes up in my day, I lose sight of that. So how do you stay connected and how do you recommend us to, you know, remain Remind with ourselves. Our... You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question, Butchros and Maria. <laughs> <laughs> and and you 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 started off your question asking and reminding us of the Theotokia where he says he gave us everything, and this is also translated in Romans eight thirty two where he says he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also give him graciously give us all things? Right. Mm. So he spared his own son for us. How will he then not graciously give us everything that we need and ask for? What a beautiful thing where you're questioning the presence of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God in your life. And then you remember that he gave his, he didn't even spare the most precious thing to him, his own son he did not spare onto Mm -hmm. death. How then can he not give us everything graciously? So Mm -hmm. I want to dwell on that word gracious or grace. Grace Mm -hmm. is something that's given to us that is not deserved. We don't deserve it. It's not based on any condition. It's given outside of ourselves. And it's given when we are at our weakest. So you, yourself and Butchers asked me, how do you remind yourself of that? Well, Mm -hmm. I think as women, we experience a lot of weakness every single day. That's almost something we can't escape. 
right? Mm -hmm. We feel weak all the time. Even if we start getting anxious thoughts about school or relationships or our parents or, our, you know, our future careers, we start experiencing that weakness. We start thinking that we're not good enough. This is something that plagues us as young women. So if we can equate that weakness that we feel to Christ's strength every time, then we're inviting him into our life at every single second because we have a trigger. If the trigger is when we think we're not good enough and then we think he is good enough and, and everything and insurmountable, then we always invoke his presence into our life. And so when I was your age, a very grounding verse, in fact, my friends remind me of it all the time, is when God reminds Paul that his grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. And he says to him, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so I, I dwelt on two words. We talked about grace and we talked about strength and we talked about weakness and weakness is something that we just have at our core and it's something we can't escape from and it's something we probably feel every day right so if we can use our weakness as the trigger to invite God into our lives he's going to be in our life many times a day mm -hmm. right Get, take any given day when you're dealing with any type of assignment that you have and you think okay this this assignment feels insurmountable. I can't get the research for it. I don't know how to put my thoughts together. And you just say, God, take this time and make your strength perfect in my weakness. I might not be good at this, but I know that if you touch this assignment, you're going to perfect it. Mm -hmm. You know, so that becomes part of our day where we just use an arrow prayer to remind God of our own weakness, but that we welcome him and we welcome his grace in our lives. Is that mm -hmm. something you used a lot, Marina? When you were progressing through life, you used arrow prayers a lot? Oh, yes. And, and when I, I love how you say when I was progressing. I'm still no. trying to survive. Did I say what? <laughs> I'm not, it's not that you said anything wrong. It's that sometimes we see people and we say, you know what? You've hit 30. You've made mm. it. You got through your 20s. You're good to go. You progressed. You got into grad school. Like, you're, you've become a lawyer and you got married. So there's nothing else to worry about. You yes. Know? It's like those are the goals. Actually, let, let's talk about that a little bit more. So you went to law school, which is not an easy, endeavor by any means <laughs> so how did you how did you kind of go through that keeping christ in the middle of everything especially when you're studying things that we may not necessarily agree with mm -hmm. how did you become mm -hmm. a lawyer for christ that's a great 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 question and i think it's if i didn't have that i i think i would be very lost right now so law school is the most trying time of anyone's uh, <laughs> life and, you know, you go to law school having very good grades, having been very successful, and you find yourself in a group of people where you are by far the least successful, the least smart, hmm. have the least to offer, uh, so much more educated and sophisticated than you are. And you're just trying to find your bearings at that point. And so, again, it's grounding yourself in, in, in the grace of God. And it's telling him, I used to have this prayer in law school. And I, I remind a lot of young women to have this prayer at all when they're trying to achieve any goal, which is... God, if you give me this thing, I will devote it all to you. Hmm. So I remember I had this like case that I had to do in my first year. A friend asked me for help and I was helping him having knowing nothing. And he, there was a big, big thing that was at stake for him if I didn't win the case. Hmm. And I remember standing outside waiting for the result. And I remember my prayer, which was, God, if you make this person successful, I will devote the rest of my career to you. Give me this one little thing, which is nothing, because you give everything graciously. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't even, you spared your own son when it came to your grace for us. And in return, I will give you everything. It's almost the reverse of what we hear of that Siotokeya that Maria reminded us of. 
You know, give me this one small thing and everything that I am, I will devote to you. Right. And it's a really grounding thing. Yesterday I was reading Peter. I was reading the first and second epistle of Peter. Hmm. And he reminds us in his epistle that don't seek out glory. The life of a man is but a blade of grass that's fleeting. That is your whole life. Don't seek out that glory. Seek salvation. And so I think with careers like law or medicine or all of these things that the Coptic community seems <laughs> fixated about, there's this idea of self-glorification that you mm -hmm. can call your friends and say, I got into this school or I'm going to be this person or I'm going to have this car when I grow up. And the life of, with Christ is completely antithetical to that, which is mm -hmm. it's, not, right. it's not for glorification. It's actually for salvation. Your life is actually a vessel to have the eternal life and that this life is fleeting. And that to me is a great relief for a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. because I think about all of these things and I say, wait, in the grand scheme of life, does this thing affect my salvation or my eternal life or my relationship with God? And if the answer is no, then that thing becomes less significant. And when it becomes less significant in that perspective, then I'm less anxious about it, right? Mm. And so the grounding question at the beginning of this is how do you remember to go back to God? It's because he relieves that anxiety. So if you come to him every time you feel weak or anxious as a young woman, I imagine you'd be at his feet three to four times a day mm -hmm. at least, right? <laughs> yeah. That's an amazing so, way to think of it. That was law school. And then uh, curveball, Sammy, but also <laughs> a relationship. <laughs> how? Tell us how. How did I embark on a relationship? <laughs> no how did you how did you manage all of this at once I think I think God manages all of these things I you know the path that I sort of took was I wanted to walk into a relationship and be and this isn't the only way but I wanted to be complete so I always joke with Sammy that he he plucked me at when I was the most right <laughs> so he made sure I he didn't meet me before law school I went through law school I struggled through that I wrote the bar and that was very difficult. I articled and I was finally called to be a lawyer. And that's when he decided that we were going to get engaged. And that's, mm -hmm. when, you know, just a year after he had met me. So I think that God really planned everything in its perfect time. And I, I love this verse. It's, I'm actually looking at my fridge now it, from Ecclesiastes, which is he makes everything beautiful in its time. Mm -hmm. He makes everything beautiful in its time. And I can tell you that life seems to have so many delays for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that women struggle with that so much, not just because of our biology or our anxiety, but for so many reasons, we want to achieve so much quickly. We see our young friends getting engaged or we see our young friends getting into certain grad schools and we say, why not me? Why not now? Mm -hmm. And there's this ultimate feeling of rush. But there's so much comfort to your question, Natalie. When you say, how did you do all of this? It's I didn't do anything. I truly did not do anything. I think that God makes everything beautiful in its time, in the right time. At the, the moment I met Sammy, which was at a, we were serving. We were both serving. So I, this was not in my head at all. I was actually taking a full break from men in general. A hundred percent. And so that's, and we were both devoted to our grade seven and eight youth. That's what we were doing. And God allowed us to collide at a perfect time because he makes everything beautiful in its time. It does, it's not that he makes everything beautiful, period. He makes everything beautiful in its time. I think we need to be reminded of that. And that's something I still remind myself of when I still find myself struggling and feeling that I don't have enough. When I look, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and people are doing all kinds of things with their lives, I, st I, I look back at the fridge and I say, 
God, you'll make everything beautiful in its own time. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned that, Marina, because even like how this whole relationship started and you said you were both serving, you were both keeping Christ at your core, which is what we were, you know, talking about this whole time. And through that, God like sanctifies everything and brings everything together. I love it um, because I, I'm sure you guys have heard of uh, Mark Gunger and he speaks of like the differences between how men and women think. You know, men think in boxes, but we think in like spaghetti, you know, <laughs> yeah. everything's connected. And like you, like you mentioned a lot and Natalie, everyone mentioned this, how once we start to think of something, it leads to the other stress or the other anxiety of a different part of life and everything becomes overwhelming. But I find that once you ground yourself by putting Christ at your core, everything come, kind of comes into place. Just like you said, he makes everything beautiful in its time rather than being in this chaos of spaghetti where everything's connected. Um, he really kind of organizes our life for us. And I, I love that you, you explained that to us. That's true. And, and, and Matthew repeats that at, uh, at chapter 6, verse 31 and 33. Um, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, all of these things will be added to you. You just have to be very certain about what you're seeking first. It's the kingdom of God. And it's, it's not that God abandons us. Mm-hmm. It, on the contrary, right? It, God sees us seeking his kingdom and he just adds all of these things to us, which is such a beautiful pursuit. And another reason I come back to that original question that you asked, Maria, which is how did you make Christ the core? It's mm-hmm. asking that question, why? Why yeah. would I not seek something that would give me eternal life and then add all of these all of these blessings to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a very like practical question. We're talking about keeping Christ our core, making everything for the glory of God. I'm sure you get complimented a lot or people, you know, look up to you and things like that. How do you, when you do get complimented or, you know, people, you know, um, get inspired by maybe your story, how do you turn that to the glory of God? Um, that's really funny that you think I get complimented all the time. Just, just come, please come to my workplace and tell that to my managers. I think they're going to have a different view. Team. <laughs> yeah, please, I'm going to, I'm going to send them the link to this. They'll be shocked. Uh, also will the judges and lawyers that I work with. Um, but I, I need to tell you guys something. I have struggled a lot. It seems like it's all put together. I have spent many nights crying on a pillow and asking God to count my tears because that's one of the Psalms, Hmm. which is God counts our tears. He has them all. And sometimes David tells God, I'm swimming in my bed. It is, you know, I'm so plagued and I've cried so much that I'm swimming in my bed. Hmm. And I find that I ask him to use those tribulations for great glory. Like there's so many stories, but my parents always tell me, Marina, you always get everything on the second time. Right. Hmm. And so the first time I applied to law school, the first time I wrote the LSAT, I absolutely failed it. And then I had to get it on the second time. And the second time wasn't enough. I needed a 160. It was a 159. (laughs) And then I used that story. I use that story always to say, this is God's grace and it's sufficient for me. Hmm. It's always sufficient for me. Right. And then I ran and then I was responsible with a very big trial when I was just a couple of years ago. Hmm. And the whole, like everyone was waiting to see what I was going to do with it. And I, in the middle of the trial, something happened that's called a mistrial, which is when a lawyer makes a mistake that's so bad that they have to cancel the entire trial. Oof. And guess who the lawyer is that made the mistake? <laughs> it was me. And I was just like, this is terrible. And then, and there was no glory in that whatsoever. Hmm. And then we restarted the trial. We got a new jury. And ultimately there was, you know, a result that was in my favor. 
But it was for God to show me my strength is always made perfect mm -hmm. in your weakness. And I, I, I've learned to almost like laugh away my weaknesses because I know that's where God really dwells. Like he doesn't pick people that are strong. He yeah. really doesn't. He doesn't pick people that have like all of these skills like Paul and Moses. Like if we start from the beginning all the way to the end, David, when he was a shepherd, he doesn't, he's not big on people being perfect. Mm -hmm. He's big on people being vessels for him, you know? And so I, I really like that when he says, I'm, I'm looking for a vessel. It's just something that has a capacity. It's right. something that's emptied and has a capacity for Christ. So every time we experience these weaknesses, that's when I say, you know what, this is a great opportunity because if people see me, they're not going to glorify me. They're going to glorify the Christ who's working inside mm -hmm. because I'm just, and then it just makes your life so much easier. You don't put yourself to all of these expectations because you're just a vessel. You just think of yourself as a bucket. You're like, okay, I'm a bucket. Where can I bring this water to? Yeah. You're not too worried about the substance or the perfection of it. You know? Yeah. Um, I was actually yesterday reading uh, from Numbers, and I, what was going through my mind was how Moses was approached by the people for everything. Like, everything small and big, because he was, he was the one talking to God face to face. He was the one who was the connection for the Israelites. And I remember something very specific where they said, oh, we've been defiled by a corpse. What do we do? What do we do? And then Moses didn't say, oh, I think you should. Um, well, deducting from mm. he went one second and then he went and he asked Christ what he should do. He got his answer. He went back to the people. And that pattern persists throughout even Leviticus, even throughout numbers. It's the exact same way. It's he consulted God first. Christ was the first person he asked mm -hmm. for anything. And then the other thing I wanted to kind of mention was, um, I'm, I'm not totally sure why, but I've, throughout our conversation, I have this verse from Psalm 30. I love this verse. And it kind of reminds us that as cheesy as it sounds, everything will be okay at the end because it perfectly states his promise that he turns my mourning into, mm -hmm. uh, he turns my weeping um, into dancing, okay. yeah, into dancing, and he takes off my sackcloth and clothes me with gladness. I, I don't know how you would have known to mention that verse. It must be the Holy Spirit, because that's probably a verse I have come back to time and time again. It's so beautiful. And I, I, th it. I think Marina, Marina, or known as Butchers on this podcast, <laughs> also loves it. And it's something that her and I have spent nights talking about and listening to, which is what a transformation. Remember when Maria asked me about why is Christ the core? He's also so transformative in our lives mm -hmm. he has such a transformative presence and energy and to david experiences god in such a way where he says you you turn my wailing into dancing and you remove my sackcloth mm -hmm. like the removal of a sackcloth i was very interested in, in it and i looked into it and it's essentially a cloth that the jews used to wear in a time of mourning so the fact that god he doesn't he's transformative in the way that he doesn't, it's dramatic. It's not like he's just saying, like, I was walking down the street and then I started dancing. No, I was mourning. I was wearing this sackcloth and mm -hmm. you removed it from me. Like, what a power and what a transformation. And so when we're in the mourning phase, which I, 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 I can't tell you enough how much I've experienced over the course of my life, mm -hmm. that's always a psalm I'm going to pull out and say, I, I plead with him. I say, please don't invalidate the words of David the psalmist. Please take this sackcloth off of me. Please turn this wailing that you hear into dancing. I know that your joy, God, comes in the morning. I know that joy comes in the morning. I know that it's here, and this is the faith that I have. 
so this is all great i love all of this for speaking we like how do we do this practically what are some things that we can take from this mm-hmm. yeah and i just wanted to add like how do we taste and see that the lord is good in our daily mm-hmm. lives when it's like the days are just merging together in this quarantine <laughs> I, I understand that we have weaknesses and and that's that's our trigger when we should go to him but also like when our days are good or when our days are just mundane mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. do we do how do we keep him in our day practically mm-hmm so the I, I like what you asked Marina and, and Natalie about this, like both in the good times and the bad. Mm-hmm. And it, it says in the epistles, it basically says, if you're if you're happy, if you're cheerful, then sing psalms. Mm-hmm. If you're sick, then bring the elders to pray for you. Like everything that you have to do, if you're happy, sad, sick, doesn't matter, always embrace whatever you're going through by virtue of prayer. And so how do we integrate prayer into our daily life? The big thing that, you know, that we're sitting in a lot of us during this podcast is our closets. <laughs> and I, I, I love the concept of the closet because, because Christ told us when you pray, mm-hmm. shut your door, go into your closet, shut your door and call on your heavenly father. So just something as practical as closet time. And then you get into the closet and your, your mind is like, it's almost like it's <laughs> unleashed and it's worrying and wondering about all of these things. So just like this podcast is on Spotify, Another thing that's on Spotify are the psalms that are being chanted by Coptic deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recommend the one of the St. Mark's Church in Washington because mm-hmm. oftentimes when we pray the psalms in the Egbeya, we just say them. But hearing them chanted is actually beautiful. It really mm-hmm. opens up the heart and the soul to God. And you don't have to do anything but put your headphones in. You can look as cool as if you're listening to rap music on Spotify, <laughs> but you're listening to the psalms. And then... You just recognize them. It's unbelievable. It's like when we're having this podcast and and Butra says to me, how do we taste and see the Lord is good? I've listened to those songs. I know she's talking about Psalm 33. <laughs> or if Natalie yeah. mentions this, you know, my, you turn my wailing into dancing. It's not a foreign thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's something that gives me a lot of comfort and something that I know because I've listened to it. It's like listening to your favorite song, you know? Like, there's probably mm-hmm. very few Mariah Carey songs that I don't know the lyrics to, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So th- this the same way you're listening to your favorite song, it becomes grounding. It becomes something that you're able to recite in your mind so that you have the comfort. Next time, you can, what I call it is almost like self-soothing. Mm-hmm. You say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to this. I don't need to reach out. You can. And that's what friends are for. And that's what priests are for. And that's what our Father of Confession and our spiritual guides are for. But first, we say, okay, this is what I'm going through. You know, like just the other day at work, my managers messaged me and said, like, someone else is getting this uh, assignment. Sorry, Marina, it wasn't you this time. And then I was like, oh, I feel anxious about this. Like, am I not good enough? And then I thought about that verse I read in Peter, which is like, the life of a man is fleeting. It's like a blade Mm. of of grass. Glory is literally transient. I was like, what does it matter what glory I get in this? It it doesn't matter. It's not going to make me happier or sadder. I have a different core and this, this doesn't meet that objective. So I can just let it go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I didn't have that, I'd be super anxious and say, why wasn't I good enough? Like, am I not good enough for these opportunities? And I would start to worry. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, so you, again, you're like, guys, enough with the going, Marina tends to go in the clouds. So you got to ground. <laughs> How do we do that? Get into your closet, take a journal with you in the closet and start writing. Mm-hmm. Think about writing to you. I used to have this best friend um when we were younger if you can believe it her name was also marina except <laughs> she was super quiet it was a well-known thing about her that she really didn't talk and i was obviously as you probably are not surprised <laughs> had no issues in that department 
And everybody was like wondered, truly it was an enigma as to how we were such good friends. And I was like, a, I was like a pretty creative kid. So what we do every Sunday is I, I would buy these like, and it was like back in the nineties, I'd buy these like elaborate diaries. Okay. Mm. And I would write to her everything that happened in my week. I would say, Marina, this is everything. I tell her about like the boys I had crushes on in grade seven. I tell her about what happened with my mom, my teachers. And she was such a quiet, she was even embarrassed to talk to me. Then she would take the journal and she would comment on it and she would write everything back to me. And I couldn't wait until the next Sunday to get it so I could read everything that was happening. We did this for years. We did this for years and years. And it was such a beautiful way of communication. And so sometimes when we're praying out loud, we just drift. Mm -hmm. So if you just think about God can also read and write if you could be surprised with such a thing. He has many more capacities than we do as humans. So if you just if you just take your journal in there after you listen to the Psalms and you say, what I like to do is I like to listen to a Psalm first to give me some grounding and then use that Psalm to pray. So say mm-hmm. I was using one of the Psalms that we discussed today, which is you removed my sackcloth. God, this is what makes me wear a sackcloth. This is what makes me really sad. This is what I'm going through in my life that I, I really feel I can't handle. And I'm at my wits end with it. I know that you are faithful. I know that you have made me these promises. I know that you haven't spared your own son for me. Please, God, give me this desire of my heart. Sometimes we're afraid. I think this is something that I've learned. There's so much emphasis on the will of God mm-hmm. that we're afraid to tell God what our own desires are. I think we're even afraid to articulate them. And he cares for us. The epistle of Peter says, cast your cares on or your burdens on the Lord because he cares for you. He cares for you. So he cares to know what your desires are. Express them. God's going to either allow them if they're good for you or not, if they're not good for you. So just take that time and journal. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, and Also, Christ is always pursuing us as well. Like it's not just... Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have quiet time once a day or like in a schedule where it's just to get it out of the way. But no, it's, it's, he, it's a constant connection that we, we should be seeking. And like, like you said, why not? He's our true beloved and he knows what's best for us. So why don't we just go ask? Why don't we just go seek comfort from him? It's true. It's yeah. true. He's, he's just like he tells the Samaritan woman, but when she's by herself at, you know, 12, And it's so sunny. And he just tells her, like, this is everlasting water. I have it and I can offer it to you. You know, if you drink from this water, which is of the world, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of what I offer you, you won't thirst. Like, why would we not seek that? It's not a chore. It might feel like a chore to go to the well. But once you're there, like, all you want to do is drink of that Mm -hmm. water. And actually, in that story, one of my, I love, I love reading this verse. Um, In that story, when she goes and tells everybody who she had just seen and met, she says, look, I met this man who, ha- who knows everything that I have ever done, which is kind of also a reminder that Christ is not asking us for prayer to inform him. Because like Mar- Botros and Marina <laughs> were saying, he already knows, but we're praying to include him. I love that. Right. That's actually so beautiful. And it's just such a beautiful reminder that he's watching us, that he's there with us. Like we can just call on him and he's there. In one of the talks I gave, I was talking about sort of the divine liturgy and when the deacon says, let us attend, when, when Christ is saying, like, you're surrounded by the angels and the archangels and the principalities mm-hmm. and the authorities, and then the, the deacon says, let us attend, we all rise, we all rise and we go there, we visit him in heaven, and he allows us access. We mm-hmm. have that heavenly access. We bring heaven to earth just by saying that. That's one of my favorite parts of the liturgy when the deacon says, let us attend. God welcomes us. It's an open invitation. We just have to attend. We just have to be present. 
And then it becomes, remember the, the, the verse that I sort of started with, which is commit your ways to the Lord and your plans will be established, right? It, they will be established. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added onto you. It's not like he forsakes all of the earthly desires that we have. He seeks to accomplish them for us as well. Amen. Thank you so much, Marina, for joining us to kick off our second series. I can't tell you what a pleasure this has been. And I I just want to say a huge shout out to Eam. I (laughs) wish I had the tenacity and the initiative and the love for Christ that I see in the women who are hosting this. And to all of you listeners out there, please support this initiative. And I I can personally tell you, I felt such a sense of peace and satisfaction listening to you all talk today. So thank you for having me. And I I pray God blesses you in every step that you take. Thank you so much, Marina. Thank you. If you liked what you heard today, visit our website, emisher.wixsite.com slash mysite for links to the resources used to prepare for these episodes. Have a question? Want to suggest a topic? Write us on our website. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening to this and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Please keep us in your prayers. God bless.